Hello all, this is Artie Kulik, the host of the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, podcast for SeedSing.com. So this week we're doing something a little bit different. The, a little while ago I founded a podcast network called Public Forum Productions. You can go find it at publicforumproductions.com. And right now there's only two live podcasts on there. There is the Ex-Millennial Man and there's High Heels in Politics, a show that, that uh, does advertisements that supports uh, the podcast you're listening to right now. So this week we're doing something a little bit different actually. There's going to be a third podcast that's about to premiere on Public Forum Productions called First Watch Rewatch. Now, the loyal listeners of this go, wait a second, I've heard of this before. About two years ago, I think or so, Tina and I, we sat down and we were going to do one on Squid Game. But I didn't have a full knowledge of a lot of things, did not get the show together the way I wanted to. Maybe hopefully I still have those recordings. I'll release them out one day. But I, I just wasn't able to do it. So I kind of pivoted into what I wanted First Watch Rewatch to be. Initially, the concept is it's a podcast where somebody who has seen something sits and watches the same thing with somebody who's never seen it and then gets their reactions. So I like to, when I do these projects, I like to record their reactions pretty quickly. And I wanted to take take that idea and use it for things that maybe not everyone's ever heard of. As a matter of fact, there's an ex-millennial man that's going to be the second First Watch Rewatch. But this particular one here, this is our quote-unquote premiere episode. We're going to get it going again. You can actually subscribe to First Watch Rewatch. It will be going live on August 1st, and new episodes will be on the 1st and 15th of every month. I'll see how it goes. I'll see because you have to bring all these people together and see how we can maybe have more episodes of it. But I think what you're going to find, if you know the subject matter, you're going to be like, wow, people are not podcasting about this stuff. Or you're because I want to do more obscure things, or it's going to be a well known, well known project that wow I can't believe that person's never seen it. Spoiler alert: one of the episodes I will be working on in the future is Ty has never seen the movie Top Gun, the original Top Gun. And right now I'm going to be working with Tina and Ty mostly on this because they're just easiest to do. But we have a few other people, a few other ideas. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm really, really excited about it. So I present to you here for the Ex-Millennial Man, the premiere episode of First Watch Rewatch, where we watch the incredibly awesome and terrible, maybe the worst musical you've ever heard of or seen, The Apple by Menachem Golan of Golan Globus. If you guys know what I mean, you know what I mean. You're going to hear in the episode, I'm going to explain it all. And before I leave you, I just want you guys to know to come to Public Forum Productions and tell me if you want to be part of this project or if there's something that I have never seen that I need to see. And we will talk about it on First Watch Rewatch. So, again, thank you. Enjoy the show. Go subscribe, follow to First Watch Rewatch. And the 1st and 15th of every month, you're going to hear about some of the craziest projects and some of the most well-known projects and a point of view of somebody who has never seen them. So again, thank you, and let's cue the music. Hello all, welcome to First Watch Rewatch. This is a podcast where I usually find a piece of wild or weird 1980s or 90s or 2000s, maybe one day I'll find something from the 1920s, that I kind of love, and the other person has never seen it. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit at the end how you guys can get all involved in making me watch a bunch of crap that I've never seen, but 
As for this podcast, we started this, had a little bit of a bumpy road on starting it, but now we've kind of hit our stride and we're finding the pieces of art that if you're of Generation X or beyond, you need to know this. And as I talk with my guest about this particular piece of art, maybe her parents or my parents did know it and they refused to ever speak to us about it. Before I get to our project today, I wanted to welcome in the greatest other other host who I think your bio I have as of right now is Jeopardy runner-up and tennis knower of all things, and that's Tina. How are you, Tina? I'm very well, thank you. (laughs) Knower of all things. Knower of all tennis things. Knower of all tennis things. Although it's a Jeopardy runner-up, so I'm knower of most other things as well. But what people don't know is all it was an all-tennis episode. (laughs) (laughs) I clean up on that. Yeah, you would. You would definitely beat the... Gosh, I say it all the time. She has her PhD in Russian ballet from 1881 I, to 1884. I think it's just Russian literature. <laughs> I, that's not niche enough. And for people, she was lovely. She, she was, was great. And for people that say, "Oh, those are BS degrees," she won like four or five games of Jeopardy. Three, I think. Okay, but three. Still, yeah. <laughs> so I can't remember her name, but shout out to her. I think her name was Emily. Gosh. I just remember she was she was a lovely person. <laughs> she she was she was. But we're not here to talk about Jeopardy. We are here to talk about a movie that has always kind of been in the back of my mind, a movie that I'm going to talk a little bit in this podcast about how I was introduced to it. And it was still one of those like, what in the holy hell is happening? Like if I was a weirdo conservative, I'd be screaming at this teacher about teaching me some kind of weird CRT nonsense. Grooming. Yes. But a movie that never left my mind, but is always sitting back there. And as I talk about some other things, it, it pops up every now and then. And I remember during the pandemic, I was listening to a podcast and somebody was bringing up how they would every year at Christmas time, they'd have a party and they'd invite people over and show them the apple. Every year? Yes. Now, the other person. That's too often to watch it. (laughs) So the other person on this side of the podcast was like, what's the apple? And then I think one time I was telling you, I was telling you about this movie and you said, what's the apple? And I said, you know what? One day we're going to watch this movie. And as the years have gone on since we've had that conversation, I've never seen it streaming anywhere. It's always listed as one of the worst movies ever made. It's easily listed as one of the worst musicals ever made. There's more to it than that, because as I talk about the legacy of the film, this film, the legacy of this film is much larger than a movie that's largely forgotten the history. So you and I sat down. Mm-hmm. We have a marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. As of right now, we still do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost 17 years. But you watch the Apple uh-huh. <laughs> gleefully with me. And for those of you that are like, just get to the damn fireworks factory. I'm going to play for you. It's a little bit edited, but I'm going to play for you the trailer. So 1980, mm-hmm. you're 1980. The number one movie in theaters is uh, Star Wars. You had uh, Star Wars was out that year. I think Ordinary People won the Oscar that year. Star Wars. Or I'm Star, Star Wars. Empire, Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. It also, 1980, happened to weirdly be a year of three disco musicals. There was Can't Stop the Music, the Village People musical. Mm -hmm. There was The Apple. Mm -hmm. And then there was Xanadu. Mm -hmm. That movie is bonkers also. I think that movie's better than its reputation. But we're going to discuss here whether or not The (laughs) Apple is better than its reputation. But let's say in 1979, our parents are in the theater and they're sitting there and they're watching their... 30 minutes of previews, which, no, that wasn't the way in 1979. But they're sitting there and out of nowhere. I assume it was more like when we went in the 90s, where it was like 
four previews and it was all the in a world guy with the voiceover. Well, this is pre in a world guide, but this is what your parents or my parents would have seen. In 1994, the world is controlled by one power. The apple is success. There ain't no pride. There ain't no shame. everything the apple is the temptation the apple is the forbidden fruit the apple takes your soul now a special experience in movie going entertainment the apple the first thing i want to ask you Mm -hmm. in what year does the apple take place 1994 (laughs) in the future here's the thing i think when i when that first came up my first thought was, well, that is the year I graduated from high school. My second thought is this movie was made in 1980, which meant that was 14 years in the future, right? If I were today making a movie and be like, ooh, it's going to be in the future. It's going to be in 2037. Like, I, that wouldn't seem that far off in the future to me. And I understand putting setting things in the not too distant future, but then just leave it vague. The not too distant future. Just leave it alone. The Apple was originally the concept for Because when did George Orwell write 1984? 1948. It was like in the 40s, right? 1948, because yeah. that's why it's 84. Right, so towards... that at least seems like a little bit in the future. The concept for this was a Hebrew um, Hebrew musician named Kobe Recht. He'd had a record deal with uh, Barclay, Eddie Barclay, a French producer, and he thought something was off about this guy. And... Did you mean to say Hebrew? Or yeah, did, did you I... want to say Jewish? I guess you could say Jewish, but I'm for those people know I'm taking most of my information from Wikipedia. You're going to find out how okay. little information. I mean, I guess it was written in Hebrew is I guess what I should oh, say. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Eddie Barkley, he felt like this French producer was just off. There's something about him. Plus, Recht was like, I'm, I'm a moral guy. This well, is not French. a moral guy. Yeah. So <laughs> he wrote this, this musical treatment back in 75 that was based off of his experience with this music producer. And he said it in the year 1984. I've seen it pronounced both ways, uh, Menachem Golan or Menachem Golan. It's probably Menachem, actually. Well, it's probably Menachem. Yes. Right. And he would write a lot of movies. He would, uh, produ- he would produce tons of movies in Israel. And they were kind of like crowd-pleaser type films. Golan had a dream. He wanted to work in Hollywood. You know, that was his, his biggest thing. So he teamed up with Recht to make this movie, to make The Apple. I'm going to get more into the production of it when we're done discussing the movie. Okay. But they did not get along because Recht was an artist and a visionary and Golan was a showman. The preview you just heard. <laughs> an artist and a visionary <laughs> and a showman. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Golan had the money. As a matter of fact, in 1980, this movie was made for $10 million. Here's What's an equivalent? Like, how much did Empire Strikes Back cost? Empire Strikes Back was made for about $30 million. Okay. <laughs> so I look at Empire Strikes Back and I can see the money on yes. the screen. When I talk about this movie, I think you can see the money on screen here. It's no. it's weirdly where they put the money no. is what the discussion is going to be. <laughs> that preview you heard this. I don't think gold LeMay thongs are that expensive. <laughs> well, it's real gold. Knowing Golan, it probably is real gold. <laughs> so 
the uh, the preview you heard, there is a song where they're saying BIM is the way. B-I-M. Yep. And B-I-M, which they never tell and, you and in the movie. And when they first start chanting B-I-M, which is, you know, right at the beginning of the movie, I think I told you, you need to put the captions on because I can't understand what they're yeah, saying. Yeah. You, you, if you're going to watch this movie, you kind of do. B-I-M stands for Boogaloo International Music. Yeah. They never tell you that in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's one time I, when we were watching it the other night, I was looking for it. And there's one time I saw it in the background. But they're at a, a like a Eurovision concert mm-hmm. in 1994. And I'm probably going to be kinder to this movie than I should. But it's it's propulsive when it starts out. It's it's the beating drum. It's the boom, boom, boom. It's yep. the dancers, which kind of the, yelling B.I.M. Yes. And everybody it's like a call and response where the guys on the stage yell B and everybody else yells I am. And the crowd is in it. It's they're like, you know, it. and during the whole course of BIM. You see the the music producer. Except the very beginning of that song where he says something like, there ain't no good, there There ain't ain't no no bad. There ain't no bad. But then they say, there ain't no happiness. There ain't no sad. But it's not sad. (laughs) It's there ain't no tears. That's right. Because we watched it twice. (laughs) And every time I want to have like... Why do you not? I'm like, well, that's interesting. They're not going for the obvious rhyme. And that's before I knew that I was giving the songwriting way too much credit. And uh, forewarning, I am going to sing a lot on this podcast, and I'm going to explain that right now. So I want to get your view of Bim is the way. Does it slap? It kind of (laughs) slaps. Yeah. I mean, it's catchy. You you heard it there in the trailer. But I think think a comment that you made during the movie when I was kind of like butt dancing to it was... It's like a Blue Jean Committee song where there's like three lyrics and then they just say them over and over again. That is going to be a huge problem during this movie. (laughs) (laughs) The first strike against this film is this is a musical and the songs suck. Oh, they're awful. (laughs) They're really awful. (laughs) And I'm going to get into some of the problems. But the first problem is you have this disco anthem. Yeah. Which goes on far too long. Yeah, because it slaps, but it's like got two and a half minutes of slap Mm -hmm. in it, and it goes on for like four or five minutes. And during the course of it, you're introduced to the music producer, Mr. Boogaloo, who I I think— It's Boogaloo. Boogaloo, sorry. Okay. And I think (laughs) there's there's a big uh, arrow that points to him that says Satan when he first walks in there. Well, he's wearing red. (laughs) He's got a goatee, and he's French. Yeah, he's French, yes. (laughs) And then there's Mr. Shake— african-american yeah. you know, that i thought was mr snake because yeah. that's how subtle this movie is yeah well I, I will say this for mr shake a lot of people will get down on uh chris tucker in the fifth element his ruby rod thing this was ruby rod <laughs> i mean they watched the people chris tucker saw this movie <laughs> and said this is what i'm gonna do and you find out they're all excited about their bim song because it got 150 heartbeats Mm-hmm. Which, if we want to talk about the future here, that's how we're judging sh- sure. stuff today. So, Not in 1994. No, no, not yet. And that's another lazy part of it. They could have just kept it in 84 and have your disco dystopia, your discotopia or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was just stupid. Why and, Why specific? Like, the choice of 1994 as a year just makes no sense. bizarre. Yeah. And something else that needs to be made important at the beginning here is this is the World Song Contest in the United States. Yes. And I don't know outside of our heroine that we're about to talk about here if any of these actors are even from the United States. Yeah. 
Anyway. I don't know that your protagonist is from Scotland via Sweden or some <laughs> crap like so that. So let's talk about our 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 heroes. Yeah. After the Bim song, everybody's crazy and Mr. Boogaloo is all happy and everybody's like, we've got our anthem. This is all great. Which again, there's no real other than him being a music producer. You get your next group, which is Alfie and BB who are two young Canadian lovers. So your lead characters are literally named A and B. (laughs) And they sing this like super crappy folk song called Love the Universal Melody, which I I did not even grab a clip for because in in a movie with all terrible songs, this is the worst one. I don't even think it's the worst one. Uh, I mean, it's it's bad. yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's cloying. It's it's silly, but. All the men are like, bring the bim back. And all the ladies are like, this song's beautiful. It's about love. Yep. Mr. Boogaloo gets nervous and he sabotages their performance. Everybody boos him. Which you guys are going to say, you must hate this movie the way I talk about it. I secretly adore this movie. This, like so many other things, makes no sense why he would do that. Right, because if he's going to sign him, why wouldn't he want the song to be really big? (laughs) So a few things I want to say about this movie, and this is what I mean, like, you see that money on screen. I don't. There's no mistakes, though, in set dressing. Whoever did the sets for these movies, there's no mistakes. And everything's big. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things about this film, when I first saw it, I remember seeing that, is the glasses. It's like they went to Pier 1 and grabbed the tallest triangle glass vases they could. That's what I'm saying. I was going to say, they're not glasses. They're vases. (laughs) So impractical. They're at this party at Mr. Boogaloo's and he's like, oh, we should we should sell the BIM. There's a line. I didn't capture the line here, but there's a line where he's like, oh, we got to We got to sell this and somebody or we got to sell your album. And they're like, we haven't made an album. And he said, oh, no, no. First you sell it, then you make it, which is weird. When I talk about the legacy at the end, Menachem Golan, Golan Globus, Canon Films, that's literally what they did. They would go to the Cannes Film Festival and sell movies they haven't made yet. So this was like a personal, this is like a, a personal goal of it. It's a guiding principle, I yes. guess. So they're uh, Alfie and BB. like I said, they're going to come and they're going to sign a contract with them. And God, I, Mandy and Pamdy were the name of the two Dandy BIM people. Or Dandy. And, they're the two BIM people. Like they seem okay with this all, but they have this song. I've seen this movie like five or six times. It's Dandy is the man, right? Yeah. First off, he grabs BB, and they always make fun of him how they're from Moose Jaw. Because they, I guess, they're Canadian, eh? <laughs> but you see, they go up in the penthouse, and she says to, to Mandy or to Dandy, Oh, I've never been so high <laughs> <Mandy>. in my. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing it that they're not, you know, your yeah. protagonists are called A and B. Yeah. Why aren't these two called Mandy and Woman B? Yeah. <laughs> But she's like, I've never been so high. And he's like, here, take these pills. What are they? Oh, they're nothing. They're just pills. <laughs> it's okay. And then he sings a it's song. It's like a bad PSA. Oh, it, it, absolutely. <laughs> but then he sings a song. So you have this disco anthem, and then you have this folk song. And then his song was like something that was cut out of Greece. Yeah. Some 90s, like, where you were made for me. And they're all da 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 And then they make out. Yes. Like in front of her boyfriend. In front of everybody, yeah. And yeah. her boyfriend's like, uh, which. And the, he's not even mad about it. No, the dude that played Alfie, George Gilmore, to tell you about this guy's acting ability, he does, if you go to Wikipedia or IMDb, 
made a joke, but it's not a joke. His IMDb, IMDb page is as full as yours is. <laughs> and you have one. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> he's not a good actor. Uh, also, something else I want to say. He's, is a, He's an awful actor. Yes. And he's trying to do some sort of Canadian accent. But... Ah, BB, what are you talking about? It's on. It's, but it's. I kept trying to place it like the whole time. I found it so distracting, and I'm like, "What is he Swedish?" And then, like two thirds of the way through the movie, I'm like, "Now he sounds Scottish. What's going on?" And then you told me he actually is Scottish. So <laughs> did he just give up halfway through shooting? He he must have. It's and now, granted, we're like ten minutes into the movie. Okay, this movie yeah. is not long. It's less than ninety minutes long. Yep. But we're less than 10 minutes in, and then she's like, oh, this is great. Then they have this extended sequence in Mr. Boogaloo's office where they're going to sign contracts. He's going to make them into huge stars. And, of course, the lady wants to sign them. But Alfie's like, I want to read the contracts. And he envisions an earthquake and sees Mr. Boogaloo as a devil. And he leaves and BB stays. I didn't understand the whole earthquake part. Yeah. Like, the way it's shot, it looks like he's causing the earthquake yes. with his mind. But that's not what happened. And when I tell you it's about really the production of this film, we're going to learn early on that we're watching this movie. We started this movie in the second act. Okay. But in order to seal the deal, because again, this is something maybe it's for a future episode here, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or more particularly the musical. Mm -hmm. But I know enough from you and other people that have seen it. They're like cursed to basically sing out what's in their hearts or in their minds or something they're, like that. They, they start telling... The truth yeah. when they're singing. This is a much stupider version of that. Because in this movie, in the Apple, they would sing. They're like, I'm going to sit in the chair. The chair's over there. It's out on the left. I'm going to pull it out. Then I'm going to sit down. I'm not kidding. Right, That's how this music is. It's like so literal. <laughs> there's like no metaphor. There's like no lyricism. Like there's a song, like the villain song, mm -hmm. right? Where he's like, I know how to be the bad guy, basically, is what he said. Oh, and before before I get and, to the big... No, go ahead, go ahead. And, and I remember saying to you, it's like they thought they were writing poor, unfortunate souls. But they're not. No, no. <laughs> so before I get to the big number here, a lot of this movie, almost the entire film was shot in West Berlin. Even though it was... It has a certain Teutonic kind yeah. of look about it. And the, at least 70% of this movie was shot at the West Berlin airport it, you know what this movie you know what now that you're talking about it you know what this movie reminds me of do you remember sprockets on saturday oh, yes, live yes that's what this movie <laughs> reminds me of now is the time on sprockets when we dance <laughs> to show that the woman is going to go with the devil to make music and the man is going away to we'll get to that to go be a sexual assaulter but again we'll get to that that's not a joke <laughs> They so um, the movie's called The Apple. I'm going to give it credit. It's going to have its its famous Apple scene. Now it's got mind, a production number. Yeah. Now, mind you, there is Mr. Boogaloo, who is obviously the devil. There is Shake. No, Boogaloo. This Boogaloo, is important. Sorry, yes, Boogaloo. <laughs> Shake, who is obviously the snake, because even during this number, but it's not them that are offering her the apple. It's Dandy, not yes. Mandy. And Mandy I'm, Dandy. Now. I cannot emphasize this enough to everybody who is. I, 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 at the end, I'll talk to you why you should watch this movie. But the music, you could watch the first minute and then fast forward to the end. Because I'm going to play a small portion of the Apple song mm -hmm. to give you a taste of it. But I want you to know after I play this, this same thing goes on for another three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? 
Sure. Magic apple, mystery apple, take a little ride. Let me be your guide through the apple paradise. Juju apple, voodoo apple, take a little bite. Spend the splendid night in our garden of delight. It's a natural, natural, natural desire. Meet an actual, actual, actual vampire. Let the apple set your soul on fire, fire, fire. You'll be hypnotized and you'll be demonized. But you'll be paralyzed, so you'll be victimized. You're fascinated, captivated, losing your mind. When we cast the apple eye on you. When he says meet an actual vampire that has absolutely nothing at all to do with the song. Or the Bible. A vampire shows up on screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I'm not kidding when I say, after you hear that, the next thing is, crazy apple, juju apple, juicy apple, the apple's red, sometimes green apples. (laughs) It is. They really. And the very last line of the song is going, take a bite! (laughs) Oh, it's bad. So after this movie was over, I sent a YouTube clip of this song to a couple of my friends. And one of them... I don't want to impugn her taste, but just to give you some context, she likes Cats and Starlight Express. I she might like her. this movie. <laughs> she might. I sent this to her, and she said, I shouldn't have watched that right before bed. <laughs> and I said, you'll be humming it for the next day. And she simply replied, Vogon poetry. <laughs> yeah. Now, for those of you that don't know... The Vogons are characters in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy who are famous for writing just galactically mm-hmm. bad poetry. It's a, it's going to get worse, though. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I talked about the different uh, song styles. This was your big... The, the guy who played this part had uh, been in some big like West London productions of Godspell. There was something else he was in. And so this was him showing off his, his stage presence. And this was your big... You had the brass playing, all this other stuff. It was your big, big thing. But let's get back to the story. Because, look, this is a very simple story. Adam takes a bite of the apple and paradise is lost or whatever. But this is deciding we're not just going to tell the Bible story. We're also going to tell the story of Faust at the same time. (laughs) So you get to see B.B. is about to become the biggest musical star in the world. I mean, it is really more Faust than it is. Oh, it's way more. The apple Until the end. But we'll talk about that. But. BB is about to become the biggest music star in the world. And she sure as hell is. And they pull out to just... In like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. We're still, I think, in 1994. I mean, I think we're still like in 1994, but like a week and a half later. And so here's her big coming out song. Now, I'm going to play it and then we're going to discuss it because there is a lot to unpack with this. Okay. America, the land of the free, is shooting up with girl energy. Every day she has to take more speed. America, the home of the brave, is popping pills to keep up the pace. And every day she cries out for more speed. From New York out to L.A., everybody does it her way. Popping power by the hour. Speed. Isn't 
where she screams about everybody being on coke? Probably. <laughs> Did I dream that? I mean, I'm I'm a little so the song's called Speed. It's about I like, swear to God, there's a line where she talks yeah. about everybody doing coke. But it's about race car driving, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll say uh What's the first line of that America, the home of the brave, something needs more energy every day? Sounds like a Red Bull commercial so far. I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> Again, no subtlety whatsoever. No. In this. Like I said, speaking of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, there's a line from that show that I think about all the time where one of the characters says, the subtext is rapidly becoming the text. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking about during this entire <laughs> movie. So your parallel plot is we're going back to Alfie. Alfie's still trying to sell folk music, and he's all mad because nobody will buy it because nobody gives a crap about folks, folk music in our discotopia. Yep. But he's like, oh, it's all them. Now he's got this. this Maybe nice... he wrote better folk songs. <sighs> Could be. Because Except... I feel like Peter, Paul, and Mary was still kind of big during the discotopia era. Maybe, but he's basically a squatter at some nice Jewish lady's house. I think he's a tenant. I don't think he's a <laughs> but squatter. She, but she's complaining about how he never pays rent. Well, okay, so he's a tenant that's behind on the rent. <laughs> and in order, while she's like, you got to pay your rent, she's being a, a, a responsible landlord. He decides to approach her from behind. And I am not kidding about any of this stuff. Uh -huh. And he talks about her large bosom and grabs her bosoms. Yep. And she just, oh! Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what people thought in 1980, but I know when I talk about when and I saw this. it's not even like in a particularly sexual way. No. He just grabs <laughs> her boobs. It makes no sense. Like it gave me a whole, I'm at the gynecologist or with a lactation <laughs> consultant kind of feel of that. But he goes out to continue to fail to make music. And then he, in, in, at the main, same time, they're showing BB and she's, she's Taylor Swift. She's the biggest star in the world. She doesn't seem upset about it or anything. No, she doesn't seem unhappy. She's not like doing heroin in the bathroom. No. And even though she's singing about speed, you don't see her like hitting rock bottom with drugs. You That's don't see what any I'm of saying. That stuff. But she sees Alfie one day when she's done with a concert that she sold out. And then she's like, oh, Alfie. And then Alfie gets beat up by two of the most unfortunate looking British dudes I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, they're they're really, really bad. But Alfie's like, oh, I got to save BB because nice Jewish lady, Yenta, she tells him, you need to go save her. Mm -hmm. And even though it doesn't look like she, doesn't needs, like saving, like she needs saving, the next song I'm going to play. Do uh, you think Taylor Swift has some boyfriend from when she was like absolutely. 15 who's like, I'm going to save you, Taylor? She's saying a few songs about him. Well, <laughs> I don't think she's saying songs about that. Guy. Oh, no. Alfie goes to Mr. Boogalows to get BB, the other one, Mandy. She, Pandy. Pandy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that's seen this a few times. <laughs> and she's like, here, get my special drink for me. He's like, okay. Even though at the beginning he, of the movie. He says like, he doesn't drink. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes and he orders a scotch. <laughs> and then she says, no, have my drink. And so they make him this green concoction. And he just drinks it yeah. without like. <sighs> so he gets roofied. Yeah. Now, from the beginning of this scene. He drinks the, two of them. <laughs> yeah, it's been a good roofie. <laughs> so from the beginning of this scene. To the moment he drinks and the music kicks in to the end of this scene, it's seven and a half minutes. Again, this movie is one hour and 26 minutes long. So this entire, I'm not playing the whole scene, but without even telling you the name of the song, mm -hmm. the, the evil 
BIM lady. Oh, by the way, I completely forgot that they're all wearing stickers on their head. They're BIM mar- they're marks of the You don't beast have to wear it on your head. You can wear it on wear your any- cheek. You can wear it on, yeah. You got to wear a sticker. And by this time, too, this music Or the guy, cops give you a ticket. Exactly. The- but it's unclear what they would do besides giving you a ticket. Right. Okay. So this music producer at the beginning that had to sabotage this crappy folk song now controls the police? Controls the universe, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Oh, well, we'll get to the BIM dan- the exercise hour in a moment. Oh, but I yeah. want, again, this is seven and a half minutes long, and it's kind of a decadent song. But I want to see if you or the audience knows what this song is telling us. Coming for you, let me tempt you and tease you. Okay, we're back about an hour later because I had to go take care of some stuff. (laughs) That's the only person in this movie that can sing. I was about to say that. Grace Kennedy is her name. (laughs) This is her Diana Ross number. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, when it is very Diana Ross. esque. Yes. Yes. Except I don't think Diana Ross was ever that on the nose with the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you had mentioned earlier the the gold, the gold thongs. Yeah. There's a bunch of ladies in tasteful 90s and dudes in gold thongs just grinding each other in the background Mm -hmm. while she gets hers. Mm -hmm. While Alfie looks like he's, well, let's admit, it's probably the first time he's ever done this. Now, seven and a half minutes, I got to think he was coming multiple times. He was grabbing (laughs) what's-her-name's boobs. Oh, yeah. But this this is way more. I mean, seven and a half minutes. That's not that long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <sighs> given the subject matter. I say you and I have different different views of that. <laughs> this is where this movie gets a little strange. And if I was to tell anybody This is where this movie <laughs> gets a little strange. And to to be completely like a catskill comedian, this is the climax of the movie. Cause it's all downhill from here. Yeah, well we didn't even talk about the exercise hour. The BIM hour. Yeah. Which they show you that this discotopia is now controlled by Mr. Boogalow. And at four o'clock every day, they play for an hour, they say, which seems about as long as that BIM song is. The BIM, 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 BIM is the way. There ain't no power. There ain't no shame. I don't know what it is. There ain't no Oreos. There ain't no Hydrox. You see, and I actually kind of really love this scene, though, because you see a bunch of old people at a pub and they all start <laughs> dancing. And then you see some people at a hospital, a dude operating, there's dude getting operated on. They all start My dancing. My favorite one is the fireman. Yes, the fireman putting an active fire out. Yep. <laughs> and they stop putting out the fire in order to do their big dance. And I'm wondering, do the people in the burning building have to stop yeah, trying yes. to get out and do the big I'm sure that's a cut scene of them in there dancing, because we're going to talk about their special then, effects. The only thing I was thinking about, I've been uh, dealing with a knee injury for the last few months, and I was thinking, do they have modifications for those of us? <laughs> like, when you go like a yoga class, mm-hmm. and they're like, if you can't do this move, you can modify it and do it. Do they have modifications for those that can't do all of the moves right now? I I don't know. I mean, it's a... <laughs> which, okay, 
this is a good point before we get to the end to talk about what this world is. BB is incredibly popular. But why? I, she just is. But why? You know, she's a huge star. Because of Satan. Mr. Boogaloo and the Bim. You know, well, hold on. No, no, you're, oh, you're, you, trust me, you're getting to where, you're getting to where I'm going to go in a moment here. Is Taylor Swift BB? Is that what you're asking? Yes. She's not <laughs> screaming about cocaine on stage, though. I don't think. I haven't uh, listened to her entire catalog, but. I wouldn't be shocked, though. I mean, what is, I don't, anyways. <laughs> I mean, this town, she was here for two nights a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and this Brought town like a was. a billion dollars in. Insane. <laughs> I think they said a hundred million, oh, okay, but okay. still. Yeah. Everybody's exercising. Sure, make sure you're not on fire at four o'clock every day. Uh-huh. Even though there's one scene where Mandy and Pandy are like, oh, she's more popular than us. But they don't seem jealous. And like I said, coming is the climax of this movie because the next song is some like, I don't know how to love them type BS with, yeah. with a whole bunch of them singing. And it's, it's, a, well, it's no, a, because, it might be the worst song. Because What's-Her-Name escapes from the Garden of Eden. I don't even know where they are. Mm-hmm. The Berlin Airport. Well, yeah. Because this whole thing was shot in an airport. <laughs> Their futuristic train <laughs> is the train that you ride between terminals <laughs> to go from the domestic terminal to the international terminal. I guess it does cut. Somebody, some location scout landed in the Berlin airport. <laughs> <laughs> and thought the future. <laughs> this is what the future. I, I actually like. kind of get. There's a lot of airports I look at, and I think I this is what the future would look like in 1980. No, I I totally <laughs> agree. I mean, even Lambert Airport with its Aerosarin and or sorry, what is that? JF, JFK, right? That's yeah, got but the he also they did the same though. JFK at Lambert. and Lambert. Yeah, yeah. So I I get it, but as a person that's been in my fair share of airports, it looks like an airport. Mm. <laughs> The whole set looks like an airport. But anyway, at some point they they leave. Like there's like a whole B says, Ooh, I gotta go find my boyfriend A, because let's face it, their names are A and B. But and, they never like give any reason for her to leave. And suddenly no. suddenly Pandy is like, go to him. And then they give no reason it's, for her to say that. Right. And then she's like, they're like, come with me, Pandy. She's like, it's too late. For yeah. Me. And Shake shows up in his silver thong yeah. and robe. And he's like, we own you. And then she's like, I'm leaving. And then the guards are like, going to get him. He's like, no, let him li- let her leave. It makes no sense. Yeah. None of it. None of their motivation <laughs> is at all earned throughout. There's no. <laughs> Uh, okay so our 13 year old our seventh grader had to write a little scene for his latin class with a couple of his 13 year old boy yes our son has to take latin and their scene had more narrative (laughs) coherence to it than this movie oh this movie's all about tell don't show (laughs) (laughs) no it it is when when I said coming is the climax, and yes, I'm going to keep beating that joke, uh, beating it into the ground. But what if my mother listens to this podcast? <laughs> she won't know what I'm saying. She's going to probably be like, "Oh, I remember that. That song was hot. <laughs> that song was hot as hell." But that's like an hour into the movie, so there's like 20 minutes left, and these 20 minutes feel like they take two damn hours because you have Alfie waking up on some park bench, and then Gandalf wakes him up. And is like, 
Here, come with me. He's not even Gandalf. He's like a hippie dressed as Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. He he's like he's like a tall hobbit. Gandalf is cool. Which he does for some weird reason have a knife and never wears a shirt, but he's big bearded dude, and he's like so. Alfie meets him while Alfie's passed out on the park bench. The guy's like, come with me. And Alfie's like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, Alfie, you're about to have one less kidney. <laughs> but, but no, he takes him to people. He actually says in the movie, I kid you not, these people don't like television. They don't know what television is? Yeah, or do they not know what No, he just says they don't, they don't like, like television. Tele- but they're from a bygone era. They're called hippies. Yeah. You know what happened in 1994? Woodstock 94. I say, yeah, all the stupid hippies. Yeah. Yeah, hippies grew up to be Steve Jobs. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, BB just shows up there one day and sees crazy old crappy Gandalf. And she's like, I'm looking for Alfie. Oh, he's looking for her. And I'm thinking, BB, you're about to have one less kidney. Well, he says, don't be afraid. You know what? Some creepy old guy said, come with me. Don't be afraid. I'd rot. The movie went from this disco coke-fueled nightmare into this, hey, remember hippies? They were great. And the movie then shifts. And again, this is the last 20 minutes, okay? Did this fellow grow up on a kibbutz? I have no idea. Okay. Who, Golan, the guy who made this? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Is that why he likes hippies so much? (sighs) It's, It's one of those things where... When you tell someone from another country about your own history and then they try to interpret it, mm-hmm. it's like if somebody asked me to make a movie about Mary Queen of Scots. The hell am I gonna know? You'd probably do an accent, yeah, I and it would, would probably be an Irish hello! accent. Hello, or it would jump be... off the edge. Or Crazy would... apple, Google <laughs> or it would be a Cockney <laughs> accent. <laughs> I think your accent is the same as whatever Alfie's accent. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Baby, I can't tell where we're going. For some reason, they sing this awful, I mean, again, I keep saying that one song's the worst, but this awful love child song. And then, you know time has passed, because now Alfie has an incredibly great beard. And that's a good beard. It's well-groomed. And And the world's largest, (laughs) like, three-month-old infant. So they tell you at one time, so he's carrying a three-year-old. (laughs) <laughs> okay and it's like he and bb are together and they have I this mean, kid and they it say might it's been be one four year <laughs> like it's been one year and kid's got like a full head of hair <laughs> i, I gotta give it a, ever uh, seen a baby before there's a there's a podcast i'm listening to about canon films called the canon canon and somebody said maybe that kid's a Bene Gesserit, like in dune where Aaliyah's born and then has the mind of an adult woman they're like so maybe this is just dune or something <laughs> it's just and Dune, for those of you that don't know, it's about space Jesus doing dope. Okay, so, that's what that movie is. But let's assume they're human for a moment. Yes. If she's been there for this a year, is you. the <laughs> most this kid could be is like three months old. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Maybe somebody said, I need a three-month-old child, and they misinterpreted <laughs> and thought he said, I need a three-year-old like, I felt child. bad for Alfie. I'm like, Alfie, that kid's got to be heavy. <laughs> I felt bad for her if she gave birth to that monstrosity. <laughs> Largest baby numb to man. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. Boogaloo has found them, his entire police force, because after their one great disco song, he owns the world. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we want Bibi. She's under arrest because she owes us. Ten million dollars. And it's like Dr. Evil. Yes. <laughs> Ten million dollars. This was uh 
I think this predates the Razzies, Mm -hmm. but there was something called the like Bad Movie Awards or something like that. And the Apple was nominated for quite a few, but the one that it won was the Least Special Effect Award. Because as they're walking, because after Mr. Boogaloo's people are like, yeah, what's it? The Least Special Special Effect Award. For what? What? It was Uh, like a Razzies thing. Oh, okay. They all, after Mr. Boogaloo is like, uh, Big Boogaloo is like, you're all arrested. They're like, okay, we're going to walk away. Alfie says to BB, don't worry, Mr. Tops will save us. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the first time you hear this. Yep. Mr. You Tops. You don't have, now, obviously, he could have just said, Mr. Tops is God. And it would have been like, okay, but he did. Actually, it would have been a lot better if he did that stuff. That would have been way better. <laughs> but, um, you're like, excuse me, what? And suddenly you see, I thought it was a Cadillac. You it's read like everything that says it's yeah. a Rolls Royce. Okay. But this horrible glowing Rolls Royce in the sky, and then a glowing thing come out, and then a frame moves down, and it glows some more, and a frame moves down, and this dude in all white, and this like dude from- Played by the same actor who plays short Gandalf. Yes, yeah. Right, okay. And somebody's like, who are you? And he's like, some people call me Mr. Tops. And then he goes, ah, my name is Mr. Tops, and that means I'm no, God. No, he doesn't, Yeah, though. that's the problem. That would be better. Because even you said, if he and Boogaloo do a dance-off, this movie's going to be awesome. That's what I said. I said, instant five stars if God and the devil do a dance-off. Right. But I'm going to play for you how this movie ends. Uh-huh. And I'm going to keep our mics on for this because I, I want to hear some thoughts you have. Alfie, bring your wife and child and come with me. Hey, Tom, what do you think you're doing? I've had enough of you. But we have a warrant. But we have a warrant. He a made their warrant? warrants disappear. A warrant? You know, You know how... You know what he reminds me of when he says a warrant? It reminds me of the, reminds me of the French dudes in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they're like, is it a cadeau? A what? A present. <laughs> That's yes. what he sounds like. So you got to hear this part. Come and join us. So he invites everybody to come All with him. Now this music. It's like the end of some 1930s movie. But this is the stupid Alfie and BB song. Oh yeah, it is. Yes, yeah. the bad one that that was after the Bim slap song. Yeah, and they're all being raptured. But there's a line I want you to hear here. So uh, all these hippies are being raptured. And Where are you going? Here. Goodbye, Dandy. Oh yeah, Pandy, Pandy goes with them. Come back, Pandy. Pandy. It, it is. It's like the end of the. Alistair Sim Scrooge movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With... So, again, endless. All these people, these weird silhouettes going to... In the worst special effect. This is why you say that you see the money on the screen. No, I see no money on the screen. Where do you think you're taking them? I don't know yet. I'm looking for a new place. A new planet? If I can find one free from your pollution. Don't tell me you're going to start all over again. Yes. But this time without you. Without me? But my dear Tops, you know that is impossible. The world simply cannot exist without me. Let's give it a try. Deep. 
And that's how that movie ends. Yep. Stupid. No dance off. <laughs> I was. I was prepared to think this was the greatest movie ever if they had a dance off. <sighs> okay. <laughs> um, so it ends with them all being raptured. First off, where the hell is Alfie's landlady, Yenta, who's being sexually assaulted? Well, she's Jewish. Oh, okay. That, I guess that makes sense. I think she's Jewish. Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe she is. You see them all get raptured, and it shows Boogaloo and all his men sitting there. Although, it's the God of Abraham, so she should be there. Right. Absolutely. Okay, now I don't... This makes me dislike this movie even more. <laughs> she seemed like a nice lady. She made him soup. And, and I like how he's like, maybe I'll go find another planet, if I can find one. Aren't you freaking God? He's Mr. Tops. <laughs> Mr. Topper. <laughs> that would have been better. So you have Mr. Top and Mr. Below as God and the Devil. There ain't no top. There ain't no below. This movie is so stupid. It's the apple. It's a crazy apple. This is the dumbest it movie. It got no worms or bruises. But do you remember what I said to you before we started watching it? You said you might hate this movie. <laughs> And I said, because you made me watch Streets of Fire. Yeah, yeah. And it (laughs) it nearly destroyed our marriage. (laughs) Yep. And I said, just like the opposite of love is it. The opposite. Fire at least ends with a sledgehammer fight. Anyways, go ahead. (laughs) So the the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy, right? Yes. So the opposite of good movie isn't bad movie, it's boredom. And Streets of Fire is boring. This movie isn't boring until the last 10 minutes. Yes, you're right. You are right. And so that's what I was going to say is, let me talk a little bit of the history of this movie, okay? I go back to that it was written by Kobe Wrecked. And there's an entire 20 minutes that was filmed that we never see in this movie. The first 20 minutes. Okay. There's actually two songs. One of the songs was called Creation. Mm -hmm. There is an honest-to-God dance sequence between... Mr. Tops and Mr. Boogaloo, where Mr. Boogaloo falls into a river of fire or something like that. This sounds awesome. Yes, it okay. absolutely does. So, All right. And Mr. Tops, during this Can portion— Can you get the no, other no, no, cut? No, 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 I'll get to that. Okay. But, and Mr. There's Tops, no Snyder cut of yeah, this movie? No, no. There's no Menachem Golan cut. But <laughs> So they—Mr. Tops, you see, makes Alfie out of clay and puts him down into Earth to go meet BB. Mm-hmm. So it starts to make a little bit more sense with all of this stuff. And Mr. Boogaloo is like, I'm going to get revenge on you and I'm going to use your creation against me. Mm-hmm. So the reason we don't see this is it is supposedly a disaster. And they had a bunch of dinosaurs, which were obviously fake, but it had some live animals, including a tiger that just wandered off set. And they had to go get there were elephants who got their trunks stuck together or were running so into they, each other. So they couldn't have that note that you always see at the end of a movie about <laughs> how no animals were harmed. Now, you movie. haven't seen this movie, but a lot of people listening may have, is uh, RRR. There's a scene in a, is an Indian film, and it won the Oscar for the song. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in that movie where, spoiler alert, but it's halfway through like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Well, people. it's a Bollywood movie. There is a reason I have not seen this movie. I have seen a number of Bollywood it's, movies. I enjoyed it. It is definitely two movies, but halfway through the film, they're attacking this, like, uh, British party, and they get this, like, circus train, mm-hmm. and it is nuts. 
the all the tigers and elephants flying off this train while the dudes flying through them to go just wreck havoc. It is insane. Okay. And you watch this and you know it's not real, but you're like, holy crap, they're doing what they can. That's what this sounds like to me. But 1980, they just didn't have the effects. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work. The problem is you took the story away that would have helped explain a lot of this shit. Or a lot of the, oh, say shit, I don't care. A lot of this because you'll see like Mr. Tops, you'll know who he is because he was in the beginning of the movie. Well, I think I knew who he was as soon as they said Mr. Tops. Well, obviously, but... Again, Again, this movie's not subtle. (laughs) The movie could have come out, I'm Tops, which means I'm God. (laughs) And you're below, so I'll call you Boogaloo. See, I, I could write for this damn movie. Yeah, I think you could have written this movie better. <laughs> I'm not apologizing Again, for this. Our 13 year old and his friends put together a scene with more narrative coherence. So let me tell you about the legacy of this film. It is so hard to find any information about this movie. If I go to Rotten Tomatoes and I look up the reviews, they're all from like 2010 and beyond. And they're all like, it's a campy movie, love it what it is, da, 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 all this other stuff. I can find nothing in real time about this movie. It's almost like it did not exist. Mm-hmm. Now, I do know it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. They gave out vinyl records of the soundtrack to everybody who went to go see it. And at the end of the movie, people were throwing the records at the screen. And Menachem Golan was, it's a bad movie. Yes, was so distraught that he went to his hotel, called his business partner, Yorbis Golan, or... Globus, sorry, Globus, and said he's going to jump off the balcony and kill himself because in his mind, he said, I don't know the exact quote. This but was he, his masterpiece. Exactly. He said, how could I think Magnum something opus. was so right and the audience thought was so wrong? And Globus came in, saved him, said, look, we can get in the house. Well, Hollywood. now I feel bad for thinking it's a bad movie. It's still a bad <laughs> no, movie. No, it is. It is. But I don't think anybody should jump no, off no, the balcony. Don't ever it. feel bad because Golan and Globus would go on to create Golden Globus Company. They would buy a small studio. And uh, if you go listen to the Ex-Millennial Man or Mothership podcast, I'm talking about it right now, Canon Films, which would bring you Chuck Norris, the incredibly racist Death Wish movies. Okay. Over the Top, the movie about Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling so he can keep his son in the custody battle. (laughs) (laughs) Does he arm wrestle no. his wife? No, 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 no. Because that doesn't seem fair. It's a movie about Cobra, which is the movie where Sylvester Stallone cuts a slice of pizza with scissors. I think I've seen that yes. movie. Yes, you okay. probably have. Superman 4. What I mean, people talk about worse. Every time a, a new Marvel or DC movie comes out, you want to talk about Martha being the worst movie ever. You haven't seen Superman 4 or Martha being the worst superhero moment. The Masters of the Universe movie, which I kind of secretly like. Cyborg, which is great. Bloodsport, which is great. Point is, Golan and Globus went on to create basically anything that was on HBO from 1982 to like 1994. (laughs) They did okay. Well, no, they didn't. They bankrupted the studio. But as for the Apple, I first came across this movie when I was in college. Probably in about the year 1994. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were talking about different interpretations of uh, of stories. Like, I, I remember famously, my professor would say that, look, don't worry about creating something original because everything's already been copied and Shakespeare's adapted it all. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking like Bible stories. And he was talking about how you could take something like Jesus Christ Superstar and take a different point of view and make it a little edgier and a little bit more out there. Or you can take something like Godspell, which you could sing in a Sunday school if mm-hmm. you wanted to. 
And then I remember him looking at us and saying, none of you have ever heard of the Apple, have you? And we're like, what? And the next day he showed us this movie. <laughs> and I've never forgotten you it since like then. college is the best. <laughs> I was probably a little scared. <laughs> I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You think about the legacy. Now, BB. Catherine Mary Stewart. This is her first role ever. She actually auditioned to be a dancer. I don't know if I said it at the beginning, but Nigel Lithgow, the guy who created American Idol, was the choreographer on this. Was it because he was watching the American Idol, the Eurovision scene in the beginning? Maybe. Was that the scene? <laughs> Maybe. And I know you don't agree with me, but the dancing, the set design, the music, not the words, but the music all is really good. I, think I don't think the music is really good. Like the orchestra, the orchestrations? Oh, I mean, I like the great. writing of the oh, music. Oh, no, no, the song's terrible. I'm okay. talking about the music itself. Like the professionalism of the music? No, no, no. The, 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 like the, the sound. arrangement? Yeah, the, the arrangement. Eh. Uh, I, everybody will say this. My problem is, I was watching this lady, and the only thing I could think of, and I think I told you this, is that this movie would be marginally better if that was Olivia Newton John? Yes. And so I just imagined Olivia Newton John the whole time. And it's good to say, too, you say that because. Xanadu came out the same year. That movie's also bonkers and has no real narrative cohesion either. Oh, that movie's about and a has vampire really, really sucking a man's bad brain. Bad acting in general. But, you know, you have Gene Kelly dancing. I, like I think Xanadu's a good movie. I like Xanadu. I think it's a fine movie. It's not this. But the songs in Xanadu that's, are that's, so <laughs> much better. That's the thing. You had real musicians. Yellow and what's his name that writes Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, John, John Farrer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I you're mean, right. Xanadu, that song is a straight up banger. Yeah. Even you can't stop the music. It, it's village people songs, but they're better songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the people that were in the Apple, did they have a career? I obviously said Menachem Golan went on to become an icon of 1980s films. Catherine Mary Stewart, who played BB, she was in The Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet, Weekend at Bernie's movies that she was the the 80s girl that was in kind of like the B class or C class. She's no Phoebe Cates or Mia Sara, mm -hmm. but she's dudes my age will know exactly what I'm talking about when mm -hmm. I say that. But, you know, she had, she's as recently, she was on an episode of Law and Order in 2023. Okay. And she's, she's had a career. She's done a lot of like voiceover work, stuff like that. The guy that played Alfie, George Gilmore, you can find nothing on him. Grace Kennedy. Well, he's a bad actor. He's not a good singer. Can't do whatever kind of accent he was going for. The God and the Devil, Mr. Tops and uh, Mr. Boogalow, they were well-known, fairly successful actors. But most of the people in this movie were actual real singers or dancers. Sure. So that's where their career was. I do want to talk about Alan Love, who played Dandy. Mm -hmm. I said earlier, he had a career in acting. He ended up in 2007. He did an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. Gordon mm -hmm. Ramsay did the show. He did it in the U.S., but it was the British version you and I used to watch. It was so much better <laughs> than the American version, mm -hmm. by the way, for those of you that don't know. The British version of Kitchen Nightmares has Gordon Ramsay going and actually trying to help people. Like, he doesn't pay for all their crap. Mm -hmm. He forces them to decide what their priorities are and just gives them advice and he seems to to genuinely care yes yeah and the episode if you go back and watch it the re it's called ruby tate's his name of the restaurant the restaurant that alan love and they mention the apple in there he gordon ramsay has a line at one time where he says 
they showed him singing the apple. Huge apple. He uh, and he's like, Alan bared everything and got nothing for it. You know, basically talking about the failure of the movie. Mm-hmm. The thing about that episode that's interesting is it's an oyster restaurant, and Alan Love talks about how he doesn't like seafood. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's weird, but um, I want to bring up the poor Jewish lady, the Yenta that got that didn't assaulted. get raptured. Yes, her name is uh, Miriam Margulies. She has actually had quite the career. I have heard of her. She was in The Age of Innocence. Okay. She played the nurse in Romeo plus Juliet. That's where (laughs) I've seen her before. The Baz Luhrmann version? Yes. Okay. She was Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter movies. Yep. She has had a career. Good for her. (laughs) Maybe it pays to not get raptured. (laughs) Menachem Golan had her her sexually assaulted, and she had the career, but... Overall, the legacy of the movie The Apple itself. Yeah. It's widely regarded as one of the worst films ever made. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's widely regarded as not bad enough to have the Rocky Horror treatment. There's nothing charming about this movie. There is at least a certain amount of charm in Rocky Horror. But and I'm not even a big Rocky Horror person. No, no, no. But Or or The Room, the Tommy Wiseau movie. Yeah, I've the never room. seen The Room. Here's where I'm going to defend The Apple. Back when Professor Chris... I still think Cabin Boy is the worst movie ever. <laughs> Followed by Streets of Fire. Again, Streets of Fire is just boring. <laughs> the apple's not boring. No. Until the end. The end is boring. I will say that. I go back to watching this in my directing class in college and thinking... And, and seeing the song Speed and thinking, Wow. <laughs> Somebody's doing this. Somebody had a so, vision. So, So... There's an old Paula Poundstone bit that I misquote all the time where she says, every time you see something on TV, somebody wrote it down probably a couple of times. Like, that's the best possible version of that that there is. <laughs> this is the somebody wrote this down probably a couple of times. I, I know a few people that are Hollywood adjacent. I have uh, two people I know that are part of the writer's strike. This is what I want you all to know. Menachem Golan may have passed away by now, but we all know this intro exists. And we all know there's writers out there that deserve what they get paid. Somebody needs to remake this movie. Because this movie was original. Would you remake it and try and make it a good movie? Or would you just remake it and lean into it being bad? Because I came across a, uh, when I was doing research on this, and again, you can't find a lot of information about it, I came across this, this like YouTube review of it. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it is Dr. Faustus, right? Yes, it is. I mean, I was going to say there's an idea in there. That idea has already been done. It can be done again. But you know, you can do the BIM song, just change some of the words and make it half as long. And then have your you know, your discotopia. You can have a folk song that's better. Like the structure of this movie, you could still do, and you could get. A, part of me, you you're going to totally disagree with me on this, but part of me absolutely loves the song "The Apple" because oh, sure. it's the whole time him walking around going, "Look at this apple! <laughs> Look at it this way! Look at it from the top! Look at it from the bottom! Take a bite of the apple, but don't take a bite! Look at here! This is what the apple does." I actually kind of love that song. Yeah. You know what, though? I was like watching it again because it's, again, Vogon poetry. Yes. Uh, um, It's like the whole time 
He's showing her the apple. Tell her to eat it. <laughs> but then every time she gets close to it, he takes it. Away. Oh, there's a moment if you watch when he has to. And this is where I'm going to give Alan Love all the credit in the world. This is stage acting. You know this is stage acting. He has to get to the top with her and still present her the apple. And you see him throw it off to somebody, grab her hand, and then that person tosses it to someone else. And then when he gets to the top, they toss it back to him. It is masterful stage work. It is really good. I okay. Was like, and so there's this, I was, I was looking at this YouTube clip reviewing the movie and somebody in the comments talked about how in like the mid 1990s, they were in college in Alabama and them and a bunch of friends went to a drag club one night. Again, Alabama early 90s drag club and they had a singing competition. And one of the drag queens sang the song Speed and won the competition. <laughs> <laughs> was she dressed up like B? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what i love about this because i can envision that i can see that and maybe part of it for me is you know everybody has the rocky horror picture show i have the apple <laughs> <laughs> a- any final thoughts you have about all of this no just i'm less mad at you about this movie than i was <laughs> about streets of fire and next time i get to pick yes Oh, we already have something in the hopper that we're already thinking about. (laughs) Having said that, if you guys have any suggestions, I may have never seen it. I may have not done it. I watch a lot of weird stuff, but I watch a lot of regular things. It may be something like maybe we should do the Buffy musical or something like that one day. It It could be like a TV show. It should be something. Come out in the comments. Reach out. Tell us this is going to be under the X millennial man. It's going to have its own feed. But come out and tell us. Tell us uh, some some things we should we should look at. We should uh, definitely take in. And I've done a couple with Ty. We're going to get a couple of other people involved. Do you want to be involved with it? Please do. Tina, there's absolutely only one way we can go out on this, and that is with... <laughs> Magic Apple! So once again, I thank you for coming out to taking a taste of the apple with me. You're welcome. And uh, with that being said, we thank you guys, and we'll we'll see you next time. Just remember, Bim is Bim is the way. Bim's the way. Bim is the way. <laughs> it's a natural, natural, natural desire. Meet an actual, actual, actual vampire. Let the apple set your soul on fire, fire, fire. You'll be hypnotized and you'll be demonized, but you'll be paralyzed, so you'll be victimized. You're fascinated, captivated, losing your mind when we cast the apple eye on you. The Ex Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik. Adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.